There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to The Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by The Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, CEO and founder, and I am honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through paying it forward and giving back. Ethical business owners and holistic healers who are determined to create collective change in the world. Once we have a change in consciousness and through collective change, we can become one. My next guest and I crossed paths over eight years ago when I hosted a local LGBTIQ radio show called Get Your Queer On. I interviewed him then after he'd come out to the nation on TV as a contestant on Big Brother. Soon after this reality TV experience, he was used as a political football and was bashed for being gay in Brisbane's Fortitude Valley. Back then, this wasn't an easy conversation to have. Luckily, since then, things have changed. David Graham, best known as Farmer Dave, graced our screens in 2006 as a Big Brother contestant and has since also been seen on Dancing with the Stars and has travelled the world as a model and political activist. Nowadays, Dave is better known for his work as a farmer and animal behaviourist, expanding his big heart bush skills and kindness to the youth program Rough Track for kids aged between 13 to 17 who've gone off the rails to give them skills, engagement, education, a sense of self-worth and community. They help to empower these young people by helping them establish trust and bonds with amazing working dogs. The 12-week journey sees them joining up with a young dog at a similar stage in life to themselves and working together to accomplish daily goals of manners, communication, overcoming challenges, sheep herding and fun dog sports such as canine, super wall and dock dogs. The Rough Track crew then takes this knowledge on the road with incredible community outreach programs and performances in schools across Australia. Knowing Dave, this sounds like a match made in heaven. Welcome, Dave, to The Ethical Evolution. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Oh, look, it's not the first time you and I have uh, caught up uh, in an interview. Um, last time was probably about eight or nine years ago um, on a um, LGBTI uh, radio show. Yeah, and look, you know, time's been cruel and so is the sun and <laughs> I look 30 years older but you look exactly the same. Oh, do I? Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> um, now, can you tell us your background um, and who Farmer Dave is for those of us who haven't heard of you or watched Big Brother? <laughs> uh, well, grew up the youngest of 11 kids um, on a 45,000-acre station about 100 kilometres north of Gundawindi. And uh, my dad's one of these blokes that loved uh, loved the cheap labour of, of breeding, of his own breeding program. <laughs> so um, every time he had a new kid, he'd get another 5,000 acres. And then when I come along, he doubled the size of the farm. So we had 100,000 acres. And so 
pretty much so my role in life was to take on the take on the farm from him and uh so uh you know bit of an argument with mum and dad about if I'd go away to boarding school or, or not or just stay working on the farm and do uh school of the year yeah and um but anyway mum mum won out and she uh she sent me off to boarding school from the age of nine so I went to um a prep school in Toowoomba and then in the international school but my father didn't like the idea of the international school um uh was you know uh, seven and a half eight hours drive away and uh uh, also mixing with very different people to yeah. what he thought that we could be mixing with. So then he sent me back to a uh, grammar school in Tournament, all boys grammar school. Um, from there, uh, I did, did my jackaroo ship right across um, the outback from uh, the Mallee of Victoria where my, my dad's people um, settled um, right up to the uh, western parts of, of Queensland. And then uh, did a weird thing, run away from run away from home with my mates who uh, were thought that I was a trapped slave <laughs> and uh, went to Sydney and one of those weird situations that only happens in movies where uh, I uh, got hooked up with uh, a modelling agency from Milan and a week later I was living and working in uh, in Italy, working as a, a living uh, clothes hanger. <laughs> so I did that for about a, a year of being... Um, one of these international models going all over the world and seeing things that I didn't really know existed and, and really living a, a style of life or a, a, um, in interacting with people that I didn't have any concept of. So it really blew my mind as a, as a person and opened my mind from that, um, that rural Queensland grammar school kid that I was. And, and uh, it was pretty, pretty pivotal in the opening of my brain um, from the closed-mindedness that I suppose that I grew up with. And... Uh, from there, crikey Moses, I travelled to 80-odd countries, um, fell in love in, uh, in Mongolia with a, with a herdsman and, um, you know, suddenly thought, holy crikey, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm attracted to men. And um, then, uh, of course, September 11 happened and mm. my folks got a bit, bit stressed out about um, me being in a strange foreign country and tried to get me to get on an aeroplane, which I don't know, is kind of weird at the time when you look back at September yeah. 11, because there I was in the middle of Mongolia with no technology, no roads, no nothing. Mm. And they're saying, get on a plane and come to a Western country. <laughs> so um, luckily my mind was open enough at that time to um, avoid uh, that decision. And I just continued on traveling through Western China, Tibet and down through um, Cambodia and Laos and uh, and Thailand before um, heading to uh, the uh, Muslim areas of um, Southeast Asia and then coming back. But that that really did change me as a person, understanding um, what it was like to be one of a kind. And, mm. and you know, I'd been to so many places where people had never seen, um, you know, a tall, skinny, white, blonde fella. And uh, especially in the Muslim areas of Southeast Asia, um, in that few months after September 11, really feeling the intense racism and hate towards myself, um, yeah. even though I'm not American or, or anything like that, I, I really started to understand how many people in minorities could possibly feel. And that, again, opened my mind um, to understand anyone in Australia that mm. was a minority that um, feels that intense uh, I want you dead because of who you are, not what you do. Yeah. And uh, that was pretty pretty profound for me. But um, unfortunately, my folks said that I had to go back to the farm and so that's that's pretty much what I did for the next few years um, until 
yeah, I got bashed out there in Brisbane and um, yeah. trying to stand up for some blokes that were um, being hit on by a, um, a gay hate gang. And again, that made me uh, really have this sense of what is wrong and what is right. And mm. then it was Big Brother yeah. and doing that political uh, thing there about making sure people understood that love me or hate me as myself, not mm. because of who I am as a person and, and something that has no effect whatsoever on uh, on you. And, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much so that, that bridges <laughs> the gap, I suppose. Yeah. And, you know, you've, you've come a long way since Big Brother. I mean, that was back in 2006 and I remember that moment. Um, you know, they've, they've since said that, you know, it's a watershed moment in Australian TV, what you did then and, um, you know, it was a very different time to what it is now and it's it's much much more acceptable uh, place to be than it was back then. But um, since Big Brother, you've you've come a long way and now you're doing um, work with uh, Rough Track. Can you tell us about that and, and what you do there? Yeah, look, Bindi, the past is a foreign country, isn't it? <laughs> it I is. Mean, 2006 now, it, it, it's hard for any millennial to understand how different mm. Australia was then and and so much has occurred. Social media has occurred since then. Um, reality TV phenomenon has occurred mm. since then. And, and we now know each other so much more than we did back then. Everything was scripted. Mm. As, a, as a people, we were scripted. Um, we had clear boxes which we had to go into. Whereas I really do think that with the whole revolution that has occurred since then with our ability to share knowledge and share our own stories has led to the fact that, you know, it really is a, is a foreign country. And so I suppose using all that knowledge that I've gained um, over my life, uh, I now work with Rough Track, which is um, a program that is uh, all about empowering, engaging, educating and upskilling uh, young people in the Hawkesbury region of Sydney, where um, I spend a lot of time now. And uh, it follows the Backtrack YouthWorks model set up by Bernie Shakeshaft about 14 years ago, just north of here, I'm in Tamworth at the moment, and we were just there on the weekend um, celebrating all that is about that program and, uh, and Rough Track, uh, of course, was, was all part of it. And, and look, it's, it's really just changing the way that we look at people that have fallen through the cracks, people, people that feel ostracised, people that don't feel a sense of community. And um, we only started Rough Track uh, three and a half months ago, four months ago, the six boys that started, they had one thing that they said in common, which is they don't have a future. Yeah. They hate where they are. They hate who they are. They hate all the people around them. That was the thread that came through all of their language. Now, um, with, the, with what we've been doing with these young fellas, they don't talk about the past anymore. They talk about today and they talk about tomorrow. And they've got a future. They've got a community. And... Their mothers are, are all talking to me going, who is my son now? And that's in a very short space of time. And seriously, all it is is getting the kids to have empathy mm. and worry about others like this young lad who's coming over here right now <laughs> is bringing me a drink. And that's, and that's, you know, the success of all of this program is getting these young fellas to not be so self-centred. Yeah. Um, because that's all they know. I mean, the world's kind of rejected them. Mm. And so that's the story that was written for them. And I'm trying to teach them that you write your own story, you turn your own page, and every new day is blank and it's up to you to write the best story and you're the hero of that story. So that, that's what we're doing in a nutshell and the success of it is is right there. Yeah. You know, like 
they're all looking after each other. They went um, kayaking yesterday and it was a dream for me to see that. They, mm. uh, you know, some of the kayaks fell over, but they all, you know, paddled back. I was just watching from the bush, just keeping an eye <laughs> on them for safety. And um, they were all helping each other out and they were having a whale of a time. You know, it's it's really about letting young fellas be young fellas, explore the world, understand their own boundaries mm. and um, and share the idea that we can be better, not worse. Yeah. And, you know, um, we recently caught up at an event where you were talking about, mm. you know, how suicide is also a really big part of, of that um, age group, uh, particularly mm. uh, in regional areas of, of Australia, um, you know, with not understanding what their future is going to be and feeling a bit lost and things like that. And you've also brought dogs into the floor as well um, to help them through that development, haven't you? Absolutely. That is the cement that binds all these concepts together. Mm. The dogs, like we all know, if you've ever owned a dog, seen a dog, uh, met a dog um, or been owned by a dog, they don't give two hoots about anything yep. but the fact that you're there and you're home and that you're with them and it's all about today and it's all about uh, what we can do in the future and that's how dogs live life and, and of course, they um, are very forgiving and, look, a lot of these young fellows have come from pretty hard backgrounds that um, they're still to this uh, every moment that if ever they open up a little bit and we don't talk about the past but if they want to share a bit then they, they do. Uh, pretty hard background so we do what's called positive reinforcement methodology only with the dogs and also with the boys so it's reward positive behavior ignore um any negative or punishment or positive punishment behaviors so uh that's that's what the dogs teach the boys you know you're mean to the dog the dog's kind of like oh and then suddenly you can see very clearly from a kelpie that that um that says, hey, this relationship is breaking down mm. and the boys go, oh, well, maybe that was a mistake. I shouldn't have growled at the dog or, or um, I shouldn't have intimidated the dog. I should have uh, maybe tried some kindness and some compassion or, or give it some tucker or, or just treat it the way I want to be treated. And, um, and then that permeates through their relationships with others. Mm. And when I was talking about others, their own families, their friends, uh, their teachers and, and just anyone they come into contact with. So... It's the dogs that are the key to um, unlocking this uh, this wonderful balance in the kids' lives that often, I suppose, in the past it was uh, religion or mm. books that we would have to follow, but really it's in each of ourselves. It's that kid that was always there, but maybe the walls and the negativity and the um, hurt that has been around them in their lives has just uh, blocked away. That, that kindness and compassion that we all just want and we all can share. Mm. And, you know, that's so true with dogs. I might have both sitting here in the studio right now. So <laughs> um, sorry if you can hear the snoring. Um, now, <laughs> um, can you um, tell us what's been your biggest challenge in, in the work that you currently do and how you overcome it? biggest challenge is the same challenge that I think everyone faces and that is fear. Mm. That is fear of failure, that is fear of success, that is fear that um, maybe I won't be able to uh, fix, you know, funny word, fix Mm. um, the issue that's in front of me, whatever that issue might be. Um, And so it's just about feeling that fear 
and just doing it. Mm. I mean, just doing it means that you can you can get somewhere and uh, you can succeed or you can fail and both are learning outcomes and both are things that you can actually uh, use as tools. And um, and that's that's what it is, I suppose, is just feeling that fear and just getting on with it. Yeah, just doing it anyway. Doing it anyway. Um, so... If you had one message to share um, with young men around the world, what would it be? Mm-hmm. Be kind. Oh, I love that. Just kind. That's it. Just just be kind. Yep. That's all you need to really know as a human is is be kind because uh, we're a species that, that works together, that needs to be together. And has so much potential, and uh, that can all be unlocked. That can be all um, shared around and passed on if we're just kind. That's that's it. Mm. And that's a common theme that keeps coming up uh, with everyone that I keep talking to. Is you know, it's all about kindness, really, because um, a healed human is is a kind human, and it's really only people that are hurt that hurt others. So yeah. Uh, Absolutely, and if we know that, if mm. we know that, that, that if anyone comes to us um, and, and is sharing their pain with us, and that could be someone abusing us on the road, that could be someone who has a poor attitude when we walk into a store, um, that could be just anyone, like a teacher or a policeman or a fireman, they're sharing their pain with us, and, and we can be kind by accepting that they're on their own journey and and, uh, they're coming from a place where they're just trying to unload the baggage that is just wearing them down. But if we come from that place of we know that they've got their own journey they're on rather than reacting with pain and negativity and punishment, well, then we can help unload that pain from them and allow us both to move forward and and live in a position where we're helping Mm. rather than hindering each other's journey wherever we're going. Yeah. And even if we only pass each other for that split second that the abuse might come out the window um, in your motor car or, or uh, that, you know, walking into a store and going, oh, this feels a little bit uncomfortable, I'll walk out and I'll um, maybe go to a different store. If we can help unload that a little bit with something as simple as a smile or a nod of the head or an acknowledgement that you exist, because sometimes we just need to know that we exist and, and uh, often when we feel rejected, that sense of I don't exist or I don't need to exist can be overwhelming for some people and just a nod of the head, a smile, or acknowledgement, like a g'day, even if you don't get a response, can really heal someone mm. in just that little moment of pain they may be experiencing. Yeah, so, so true. So what are the um, future plans um, for you um, with uh, Rough Track and expanding your mission to help more guys out there? Well, the great thing is um, the Bernie Shake Shaft has created an avalanche and um, uh, Backtrack is uh, a shining light in what we do with empowering young people. And um, so there is many organisations that have set up like Rough Track and Backtrack. There's Valley Track that um, is a Grafton in the, the Northern Rivers region of New South Wales. Um, we've got Western Track out there in the Western country. Uh, so there's, there's quite a few that are starting up. With back uh, with sorry with rough track, um, we uh, we're taking on 24 young people next year, um, which is a big leap forward from our our six young fellows in this yeah. pilot that have taught us so much about how we can improve what we do. 
Um, so it's it's finding leaders that can help lead the program. Uh, we've got our uh, our youth workers that are going to be coming down each of the holiday periods, and we want another couple of youth workers from the Sydney region just to help share the load. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, twenty four young people is our uh, is our intake for the uh, the school term heading uh, into twenty twenty. So it's pretty big plans. Um, Funding is always a thing, you know, mm. I'm just doing this all on my own bat and, and we're getting funding from Backtrack to um, help us. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, look, if anyone can help out with, with whatever thoughts they have, um, we'll, we'll probably take uh, uh, donations yeah. and, um, and labour over yeah. thoughts and prayers. But if they've got ideas, we'll then send them through to us. Yeah. That was actually going to be my next. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's all about the idea of the village yeah. raises the kid. Yeah. And um, in all my travels throughout the, uh, the parts of the world where people live the way that we've probably been living for many, 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 many generations as opposed to the, the saccharine um, uh, creation that is Western society that we've only been living in for a very short period of time and, and less, less time here in Australia as a people, uh, it's the village that raises the kid. I mean, we put so much responsibility on on mums and dads of kids, that is not natural mm. human way of raising children. And, um, you know, our Western way of trying to deal with that with family breakdown is to have childcare, to have schools do all the caring and, and governments do all the caring, but it's us as individuals that should be doing the caring. The village raises the kids. So if people out there have ideas or they want um, to invest their labour or invest, um, if they can't do that because they've got a great job that takes a lot of their... Um, their time away, well, then you know, invest some money into raising these kids with us and, and giving them this concept of partnership and, and kindness and compassion that they themselves will then share rather than burdening them down with the pain of their um, upbringing that is no fault of their own. Mm. Yeah, well, that was going to be my next question for you was, you know, how can we get involved and support you and find out more about Rough Track so that um, we can take this to more people? <laughs> Well, um, Shelley Argent, who everyone, yes. who anyone knows, of course, um, who's been uh, one of the greats. And, and that's what we should always remember. Don't ever feel if you're not part of a community that you don't have uh, a role in that community. And Shelley Argent, mm. as a straight suburban woman, really did do a lot of change for us as, um, as gay people, as a very small minority. And so, you know, I'm not a kid, but I'm, I'm investing myself into these kids' lives. So it's pretty straightforward. You can go to the uh, GoFundMe that Shelley's set up, which is um, rough track on the GoFundMe side. We're doing our DGR status, so we will be a fully-fledged charity in 2020. So you can um, hold off and get your tax-deductible donation next year. Yep. Or you can just contact us via uh, Facebook, which is just rough track. Yep. Awesome. Well, and, of course, it's R-U-F-F, not R-O-G-G-U-H. And that, and that of course, um, goes back to the dogs. Does that go back to the goes dogs? Goes back to the dogs. Uh, and, yeah, these kids have come from a rough, rough place, but they're in a rough place now. And that is, of course, the, um, the balancing act that, that dogs bring to it. So it's R-U-F-F-T-R-A-C-K. Yep. Love it. We'll um, post some links on uh, Ethical Change Agency to get people to get on board and uh, get involved in that. Um, now... You. Um, the last question I've got for you, Dave, is a big one. What's the change you would like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? It is so easy. It is so easy. Same as what I said to every young fella out there, be kind. Yep. 
So if someone is disagreeing with you, if someone is an, has an alternate view to you, be kind because if you bring anger to the conversation, they'll just put up a wall. If you want to change someone or change something, you can only do it with a carrot or honey or conversation. You won't be able to do it with a stick. You certainly won't be able to do it with poison or venom. And you are really barking, barking up the wrong tree if you think that you can uh, bring an argument or um, anger to uh, any way of changing anyone because we've done that as a human species since our existence. Mm. And we've been kind to our own group. But now we need to be kind to everyone as part of this huge global network that we call humanity. And so if we are kind when we want to change people's minds and if we understand that, they, that if their anger towards us is coming from a place of their own pain, well, then we will make change. Mm. I mean, you know, as gay people, one of the first capital punishments in Australia of, of white men was for being gay. Mm. Uh, you know, sodomy on, on Dutch ships led to the first capital punishments on the Australian mainland that we know that it's recorded. And, um, and then also uh, when the British arrived, capital punishment for, um, for being gay was part of our, uh, our system of government. It didn't come about that we now live in a free society as gay people with equality by fighting and being angry. It came about by being kind, compassionate and understanding that those people were coming from a place of fear. And often the people that are most fearful and are most in pain are the people that are sharing our own burden. And I think as gay people, we all know that the kid who bashed us the most at school turned out to be gay, but just had a lot of pain about it. Mm. So if we understand that, and we just be kind when we're trying to change people's mind or allow people to see our point of view, well, we will. Yeah. We will get that change. I mean, look at China today. They didn't get the, the um, People's Liberation Army to roll into Hong Kong. What are those Chinese Liberation Army members doing today? They are in shirts and shorts cleaning up the streets of Hong Kong. Yeah. And that is how you bring about people to your side of the argument is you do it through kindness and compassion. And China has learned a lot of lessons. And today they are showing that if you want people of Hong Kong to be part of the Chinese um, administration, you do it with honey, with carrots and with kindness. Yeah, so true. Oh, mate, we need you for PM. <laughs> um, look, I just yeah, want to. Yeah, oh no, you can totally rock that hair. Um, look, I just want to thank you so much. Um, I I know you're um, busy with these boys um, on the weekend. It is super hot at the moment. There's fires all around you, and um, you know we're in a really bad drought at the moment as well so you're doing it tough on the land um you're also doing amazing work for those boys and also for the lgbtiq community so i also would like to thank you on behalf of them for that as well so thanks so much dave for joining us today well thanks for allowing me to share my story Bindi, because that's what this is all about right we yeah. share each other's story and then we get to understand where people are coming from and um podcasts like this are all about making sure that people get to know people because yep. at the end of the day that's all we are right that's it thanks so much dave
Thanks, Bindi. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution Podcast. If you're an ethical business owner, change maker or holistic healer who's determined to make a change in the world and you need support to spread your message, visit ethicalchangeagency.com to collaborate. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric Acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour.